This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs, also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This is the Besotted Pride of West London podcast and coming to you from, well, we're coming to you from, from London, from the virtual joint, from the sniffly virtual joint. There's all sorts of illnesses flying around at the moment now, but we still managed to get ourselves out and potted ourselves right up, you know, and uh, me in North London and Laney in the Egyptian village. He's, he's got himself back down to South West London now and we're sitting down here just uh, pontificating on what happened last weekend when Brentford were not up for the cup. However... This weekend, we can actually uh, make a right dent into the Premier League as we've got the muff, born muff, coming down to New Griffin Park. My name's Billy Grant, and like I said to you, I've got Mr Laney in the house. How are you? I'm all right, mate. I think, yeah, it's a good job you can't catch uh, germs down the uh, down the ether, isn't it, on the inter- internet, because um, our, our listeners will be uh, getting our colds. I'm coughing, you're sniffing. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a lot of it around, mate, but um, yeah, looking forward to getting out into the West London fresh air tomorrow evening for the uh, visit of the muff. The muff, yes, indeed. Well, uh, the, the, the struggle is on, but listen, we, we go ahead because we are, we are bees and we're there. <laughs> through thick and thin as they say well almost anyway but anyway listen we've got quite a few things that we're going to talk about maybe a slightly truncated podcast compared to last week which was quite a long podcast as we did in the blue orchid in Ryslip and also <laughs> over in egypt as well um which is probably as random as they get for podcasts uh, but this time we probably like as a slightly truncated because we look well, tell you something, what do we have to talk about this week? Yeah, there are things to talk about, but to be quite honest with you, we need to focus on one thing, get back to the Premier League, because if the if the team aren't up for the cup, then we're definitely not up for the cup. So transfer window has opened, as we know. We brought in a player called Kevin Shard, Shard, who we saw on Saturday. We'll talk about him in a little bit when we talk about the West Ham game. However, it's not only players that come in 
at Brentford for the transfer window. There's also players that go out and there's a big rumour, I think a very strong rumour as they say, that Sergi Canos could be on his way out of New Griffin Park. Um, that's kind of uh, that's kind of sort of tugged a few strings with people, hasn't it, Laney? Yeah, it's it's it is it's it, it's it's going to be a sad day. Let's be honest. You know, it's you know, Sergi Canos is a player who's shared in pretty much all of the journey. Really, you know, um, he, he he scored the goal, the first goal in the, in the prem, and he, he was scoring goals in the in the in the build up to. Um, us getting promoted, he's 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 you know become Brentford through and through, and you know his enthusiasm, um, his love of Brentford Football Club is kind of matched by the fans themselves, and we we as supporters, we we love a, a player who clearly um, has bought into the same ethos, the you know the the non mercenary way of looking, um, you know the attitude where you know he, he wears his heart on his sleeve and he's in his you know. <clears throat> ramping the ramping the supporters up and and literally you know putting his body on the line. He's he's been unfortunate with a lot of injuries, which kind of probably has kind of uh, contributed to where we are now. Where he, he does need to be playing regular first team football. He's still a, a more than capable player at this level, but it's it's probably like Brentford have moved on a little bit. Um, and he needs another opportunity, probably, you know, whether it's his last one. But there's there's going to be more excitement in, in Sergi Canos's career, that's for sure. So, I know, if it is the end, I hope he can find a club um, and a set of supporters that can appreciate him. Yeah, I mean, the, I mean, the rumour is that there's Spanish clubs that are looking at him. I mean, it's, it's interesting because if you look at, and excuse me for the <clears throat> everybody, but uh, there's a bit of <clears throat> going on. If you, <laughs> Sergi Canos... Um, if you look at his time at Brentford, actually, it was actually, uh, and again, like I said, we got a lot of fairly new people to, to support in Brentford and also sort of kind of, you know, go back on history. So so when Sergi Canos, you know, giving them a bit of background, when Sergi Canos actually started at Brentford, it was actually a long time ago. He actually started for the Bees in 2015, okay, which is, you know, 2023 now. So that's actually eight years ago, which in modern footballing terms is actually a really long time because, uh, as you know, players don't necessarily stay with clubs for very long. And it was the season where it was in the, it's in the sort of kind of our second season in the Premier League, um, 2015, in the, sorry, in the Championship. Apologies. Yeah, it's the second season in the, uh, in the championship. The first season in the championship uh, with Mark Warburton, we got to the playoff semi-finals, which was unbelievable. Seems he'd only been there one season. Just come out of the third tier, we went straight to playoff final, and then all of a sudden, like the following, there's all shenanigans which we won't go into again. But if you want to just go and read um, Laney's book, you know, as well for a start, you know, and they'll give you the background and all the shenanigans that took place in and around um, uh, the, the end of that season, that championship um, playoff final season. The following season, we got in a new manager who didn't last very long. Okay, but we also brought in a whole leap of new players, like literally like a truckload of players. And Sergi Canos was one of the truckload of players that we brought in that season. And then we realised that we had to um, integrate him into the side, which we found out in our experience, at the, in our inexperience at the time, that that was actually a difficult task to do, bringing in 15-odd players, a lot of them that have played internationally and trying to inter integrate them to the side. Now, he'd actually come from Liverpool. He was actually in Liverpool's academy, and we brought him in. Um, and he came into the side, and then he made his debut. Did you, do you remember? He made his debut uh, against uh, Nottingham Forest at home. Do you remember who he actually... Uh, um, yes, do you, do you, it's actually, no, it's Leeds, actually, at home. Do you remember who he came on for? 
I don't know. No, You're going to laugh because, again, it's another blast from the past, Laney. Um, it wasn't Boz and Bob Booker, was it? No, no, you're close, though. It's quite Bob Booker-ish. It's Philip Hoffman as well. Ah, right. Yeah. And, uh, and, and interesting as well, that's that one-all draw that we had with Leeds, actually, early on in the season, which was we were quite surprised. We were very happy with, actually, because uh, Leeds were very unhappy with that one as well. And then he scored his first goal for us um, a few months later um, against, do you remember what team it was at home, um, if I remember rightly? But um, it was at home. Um, do you remember what team that he scored his first goal against? I'm failing in the Sergi Canos quiz, clearly. No, I don't remember. Bill. Uh, just pick one out of the blue, doesn't matter. Um, uh, Preston. Preston's not bad. Nottingham Forest, actually. He scored no. against the Forest. And they've held it against us ever since, I think. you know. So, so, but but in, in that time, that was kind of the in-between time between um, Dijkhausen the manager, and then uh, obviously we had uh, Dean Smith coming in. And then when Dean Smith came in, he put him under his wing, and then that's when he started to get regular play in the in the side. That was it. And then I think a few months later is when he scored that goal that everyone scored, that, that sings about, you know, Ooh, Canos, ooh, I want to know where you scored that goal. And he scored that goal against Reading, which I remember. Yeah, I, I, was... I knew that. I knew that. I knew yeah. that one. And <laughs> I didn't even ask you. Just after <laughs> Christmas, yeah. it, just after Christmas, I think it was, um, around about the 28th or 29th of, of, uh, of December as well. And that's kind of where he got his... Uh, is kind of a sort of hero status off the back of that goal, um, but and and and, and that, because that Sergi Paros Panos Canos uh, uh, period, you must remember it quite well, don't you, lady? Because that was like the first period when we started to kind of slowly get into championship um, championship life. Yeah, you're right. Um, you know, Sergi does talk. Well, we we inter- me and myself and Tim Street interviewed Sergi Canos back in the summer for the Brentford Revolution book, which in brackets, I've just dropped some more off at the club shop yesterday. So pop in tomorrow if you haven't got it, it's Amazon or through the legendspublishing.net website, um, plug over. Um, and he, he said it was kind of like a chaotic background. It was it, Brentford needed him more than he needed Brentford in that in that moment i think um you know yes it yes we provided championship game time but i don't think it was kind of like a stable uh stepping stone for him and which probably you know well almost definitely led to you know why um he went he chose norwich city over over us to kind of for a for a permanent deal um you know yes he came back but brentford had, had moved on um by that stage and you know we were clearly building under under Dean Smith, and you know he talks about how that um, the atmosphere when he came back it, it was a very different club. So yeah, you know, so people do talk about Brentford's rise as if it's been kind of seamless, um, and yet, but you know it has if you look at over a ten year period. But it did splutter, which is inevitable. You can't get everything right, and you can't turn um, what is a very mediocre. Uh, lower league club which is what we were into you know one of the most talked about clubs um, in world football um, which is what we are now and um, you know a progressive uh, uh, outfit which is kind of using knowledge and data from top to bottom to to, to you know to bring the success so we we couldn't get it all right but Sergi um, proved that there was a there was a transition, and we were at, at that at that snapshot in time. We weren't doing it all right, and then when he came back, we were went on the road to doing that. And if you speak, if you've spoken to Sergi, or you've listened to his interviews, or you've read interviews with him in in whatever out, um, outlets, he's really a, 
really clever guy. Um, he's a real thinker of the game. He's a, he's a lover of the game. <clears throat> and, you know, he, he will know that he's, he's good still, you know, which isn't an ego thing with him. But he can be playing at the top level in, 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 in any other league, probably, apart from this one. This one's brutal. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's sad, but it probably is time for Sergi to, to seek pastures new. I mean, just going back still into Sergi history. I mean, like I said to you, he he left the Bees to go to Norwich City, which we got it actually. I mean, he was on loan to us, and he went back to Liverpool. And in the end, we thought, oh God, we're doing so well. He's going to come back to Brentford because he loves it here because he really did love it. Those are badge kissing and everything like that. And then he went to Norwich, and we were gutted when he went to Norwich. And then he went to Norwich, and uh, they never played him. They never played him at all. And he was like in the reserve, and he was in the reserve side, and he was going all sorts of different places. But the funny thing was, at the time, do you remember? He was like kept on liking Brentford tweets, and everyone keeps going, "Why is Sergi Canos like liking Brentford tweets and sort of kind of commenting on Brentford stuff if he's so happy at Norwich?" And I think everyone eventually people are sort of sending him messages going, "Come home, Sergi," and he kind of responded to them, and people started getting excited, thinking he wants to come home, he wants to come home. So it was only I think six months later after he signed for them, we actually got him back, and we signed him in the January. And uh, we got him for about two and a half million, I think it was, which is the price that we sold him for. So to save face, you know, we had to give Norwich uh, the same money that they bought him for, uh, even though we probably could have got him for cheaper because they did, obviously didn't want him. <clears throat> and then, uh, like I said, and, and, and he made his debut. But during that year, he had one game, which was like the game which fans remember him for. And I'm going to ask you again, lady, do you remember which game that was? Was it Burton away? It was Burton away. It was amazing. <laughs> it was amazing because what happened was we went up to Burton and Burton were like, you know, this little, we don't want to do teams like Burton because everyone does that on us, but it was a bit of a team like Burton moment. Everyone went up to Burton because it was a game where no one had been to Burton before and Burton were like a, a lower league side. They had terraces, you know, they had like, you know, little breweries, you know, in the town of Burton and everything like that. So everybody turned up for Burton. It was a, it was a great day out. And we thought we were going to go there. We thought we were going to turn them over. And before you knew it, we were 3-1 down. Um, to Burton and we was like oh no we're 3-1 down at half time to Burton and we thought how could we be 3-1 down to Burton so I know some people who even listened to this podcast who decided to leave and they left and they went back to the pub and they went back to the breweries and they had gone and uh, when we turned up at the breweries uh, at full time and they said oh how'd it go then Bill and we just went we won 5-3 and Sergi Cannell scored two goals in that and he was like no you're joking so it was hilarious so it was a brilliant game winning 5-3 after being 3-1 down Sergi Cannell scored two goals it was absolute carnage on the terraces and the thing that everyone really remembers because at that time Sergi Canos had a um, a restaurant in Liverpool, which we were going to go to when we played Liverpool, till we found out it's closed down. We've gutted. Um, and he had this restaurant in Liverpool, his family restaurant in Liverpool. So he often go back to Liverpool to go to see his family and go and be in the restaurant. And so he, instead of going with the team, as you do, you know, he decided to go back to Liverpool on the train. So he's turned up on the platform on the train with loads of Brentford fans, and you'll see it just go onto Facebook or wherever, Google or YouTube, and you'll see loads of fans singing with Sergi Canos on the platform at Burton, going absolutely ballistic, taking photographs of them, singing with him, and he was just he looks really confused, like a little sort of ten year old kid, doesn't he, lady? Yeah, he does. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he looks he looks a lot younger. He still looks young now, but you know, well, he's young now. <laughs> but um, you know, he, he he that's that enthusiasm, and he was like, 
like absolutely loving it and i i think i think that's that's the you know there's, there's analogies with a lot of players that have left us you know a lot of our really talented skillful kind of exciting uh players that have gone on to big moves they regret leaving quite quickly you know you take you take um a successful player out of the brentford ecosystem and put them in a team that's completely separate um set up in a completely different way different coaching methods different ethoses um it isn't the same and they're not as successful i think maybe it's it was fortunate that sergi had his kind of out of brentford experience before he really established himself as a pro he he, he kind of like made it was a mistake you know um but you, you, we understand why he made it he, he you know norwich were a team that was probably going to go up into the Prem that season. And, um, you know, it, 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 they were obviously going to pay him a lot more money than us. But, you know, I think he he saw that the grass isn't always greener. And there's a lot of players that have left us that would say the same. They may have got a big paycheck, but their, their, their careers have kind of like, not 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 faltered, but it's, they, they've not they've not carried on in that same trajectory while we've 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 kicked on, you know, and that's part of our that's part of our the way we're set up. We have to sell um, to get the money in, but so you know we wouldn't have kept everyone. But Sergi, he saw that, and he and he in, there was an opportunity for him to come back, and that's where he really did cement himself with the fans. He'd already done a lot of good work, um, showing his, his potential, but this is where he started to deliver. And, uh, you know, it's where Brentford emerged as you know, one of the strongest clubs in the championship over over several years. And, it, you know, in the end, you could argue it was one season too late that we went up. But really, you know, we all know that everything for a reason. And, you know, it was, it was you know, Sergi was there for the final at Wembley. He, he was back after his injury. Um, and he, you know, he, he had a he had a really good game um, against Swansea, and you know he was there for the never to be forgotten night against Arsenal um, a couple of months later. Yeah, yeah. Just, just I'm just going back to this as well because Sergi, because it's, it's just interesting to just think about Sergi as the player because he has been for us for a long time, and it's it was really weird when we sort of looked at our players and we thought actually Sergi is like the senior player when we got to Premier League. He's like the most senior player in our side, which is quite a, a weird thing considering he is he was so young at the time. You think that he's a, he's a little kid. He after that sort of Burton season, he had that ankle injury where he was kind of out for quite a bit of the season. And then when he came back, there's kind of an argument to say that he wasn't quite the same player that he was before he got that injury. Then after that, as Thomas Frank came in as well, he started to change things around again. He started to try and find position for him. And he kind of tried him up front, tried him up wide. And then he ended up playing him as a, as a fullback as well. And that was kind of almost like the new Sergio, where Sergio sort of turned into a bit more of a sort of utility player, as opposed to, you know, the player that was basically bombing it down the wing. Yeah, yeah. I mean... Um, as players do get older, they, they they read the game better as well, and I think that's probably an example of using his experience um, in an intelligent way. Um, we, we we do when we play with wing backs, we do expect our, our players to bomb on and and use their speed as well. Sergi's tackling is notorious. He's he's always got a booking in him. He's not. He does put a tackle in, and he's and he's he's more physical than a lot of people give him credit for. But um, he's 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 not a natural tackler, and he's 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 often late, as we saw. You know, we saw, but probably the Leeds game, the, the you know the last game of the season, um, last in our first season in the Prem, that kind of like showed up both sides of his game. You know, really good 
reading how the attack was going to um, play out, arrived at the, exactly the right time to head the ball beautifully into the corner. But within a minute, he's 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 celebrated the goal um, and uh, got a book in, and then he's he's put a tackle in and got sent off. You know, uh, Serge, that Sergi runs on adrenaline, and you know, long long may that continue. But yeah, um, he he is one of the most experienced players in that team, and that's probably why you know he deserves. To, to go and to use that experience sitting on the bench must be frustrating for him but you know I, I'm not sure Thomas Frank should be making any other decision than the one he's, ones he's been doing um, and you know it's 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 right that Sergi um, looks looks for um, an, a club that can match match his enthusiasm and experience with with an, with another challenge you know he's got he's got several years left in his in his in his tank um, you know and hopefully he can go back to Spain and and go back with a, a real well earned reputation because you know he's he's certainly done nothing wrong and um, he's got everything to be proud of. Yeah, and and, and again we're talking about so as if he's gone because obviously just to, just to emphasize he has not gone. We're talking from a besotted sense to say that you know it looks like Sergi will be moving on, but things may happen that he might not be moving on. However, let's just say that if he if he does go, Laney, uh, and maybe we should be doing this a couple of weeks time. But let's just do it now because we we, yeah, we, yeah. we lost against West Ham and we don't really want to talk about that. Um, Give me a Sergi Canos moment, which is like your kind of like your highlight moment. And it could be either playing on the pitch. It could be off the pitch. It could be anything that he's done at any stage at the time that he was Brentford that you remember. You go, oh, that's Sergi Canos moment. Uh, I, I'm going to I'm going to say Blackburn Rovers game um, in the build up, you know, when the when. Uh, the G Tech uh, New COVID. Park had first opened. Yeah, a few of us were allowed back in for the games, and he and he it was his first game back, um, and he scored and he broke down. He you know and he, he was crying in the corner, and it just showed you you know how much he wore his heart on his sleeve. A lot of players that would have would have masked that. They would have you know they, they would have disguised it some way but you know he felt confident and comfortable enough to share that with his his, his fellow pros um and you know and, and, the, and the fans were there you know if you didn't love him already you know there's there, everything you needed to know about Sergi was was right in front of you you know he cared so much um and obviously he thought his career was was finished um and as a slight aside to that you know um, when I sat down with him at the Jersey Road training grounds, I'll, I'll put this picture up later on. There's a scar on his knee, which is quite—it's quite gruesome, which would have been from that injury. Um, and then the, 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 the surgery where they opened his knee up like properly, um, and that's—that's that's, you know um, that's you know it's a right there. It's a scar to prove how much he's he's put in and out of the pain for 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 coming back from that and the dedication. You know, a few years ago that would have been a career ender, um, and you know he's, he's back as a top flight athlete um, scoring goals for Brentford in the top flight. It's it's uh, incredible. So yeah, for me. Um, the the Blackburn Rovers uh, goal where you know he showed the world how much he cared. Yeah, I mean that's a, that was a that was a great goal, and I think it's probably quite important to emphasise the fact as also as well 
that he was getting quite a lot of abuse in and around that time from uh, from Brentford fans as well who didn't think he was good enough and he was getting you know it was really obviously he hadn't come back the same player that he was before and he was getting quite a lot of abuse and he actually really took that to heart as well so it's good to see that he eventually turned that around and he became a player who became a staple squad player who came out and and delivered I mean asking me what the moment is I mean obviously we had the Reading goal um, which I actually missed because I was actually on Christmas holiday at that time so I didn't see it myself obviously the goal he scored against Arsenal which was magnificent Burton was up there properly that was properly up there but I have to say the moment is when he was on in the bench against Leeds United and the ball came into the bench we were beating them one nil up at Leeds and the ball came in and the Leeds player tried to get it I think it was Alioski tried to get it and then Sergi Cano sort of hit the ball and then he kind of headbutted him but he didn't badly headbutt him he kind of sort of kind of did this little headbutt thing and they kept the ball and threw it him and Thomas Frank between themselves and Thomas Frank was the assistant manager at the time they kind of sort of kept the ball between themselves and they sort of threw the ball away and uh, that for me sort of <laughs> epitomizes sort of kind of surgy sort of kind of just getting tucked in and then last season as well he, I mean he scored a goal against them and then he ran right up to their end and he had his arms out right just like what Malpay does as well so I thought that was actually very funny and the Leeds fans have never forgotten that moment as well as they never do because that's what they're like so listen good little reminisce there on Sergi Canos who is still with us I have to yeah, uh, yeah you got you got to say you know if, if he if he you know if he didn't want to go um and and you know play regular football I'm, I'm sure there's a you know there would have there could have been a coaching role at some stage but you know you, you could see him fitting into the like the B team the way Sam Saunders is doing you know if Sam ever goes off to you know to become a, a full-time head coach um, somewhere else as a stepping stone to, to to take his career on. Sergi was a player that could could slip in there, but you know, it it is it, it, he's too young probably, and there's is too much ability still. So you know, um, maybe that happen at some stage in the future too. Maybe this is um, adios, but not farewell. Indeed. Um, so talking about B team actually, Laney, because I got a little message actually very early this morning from one of my Shrewsbury Massive. If you, again, listen to podcasts for down the years, you used to know that I used to go to Shrewsbury every other week and I used to have a right old laugh up there. And I've got a little network of characters up in Shrewsbury. <laughs> and he, uh, he, uh, he messaged me, um, James, and he said, uh, Oi, I've just been just looking at the Brentford B team. I don't notice that you're just teams full of like, you know, ex-Premier League sort of stars, kids. He goes, this is a strategy or something. And, uh, you know, and what he's talking about, obviously, we've got um, Kevin Lisby, his son, is playing for us. Kevin Lisby used to play for Charlton. And uh, who else did he used to play for as well? Lisby, Orient. Uh, yeah, Orient, that's right. I used to know him and he played for Orient, played against us quite a lot against Orient as well. So we've got Kevin Lisby's son. And then we've got Paul Dickoff, uh, his son. And Paul Dickoff used to play for Lady. Um Dickoff used to play for Arsenal, Man City, uh, Oldham. That's, that's right. Well? He played for Oldham as well. Yeah, and then we've got David Beckham's son as well. And uh, I've never heard of him. But David Beckham. Who did he used to play for, Laney? Mm, I'm not sure, mate. Yeah, <laughs> um, no, it was it uh, Old Old Shot. He actually played for Preston North End, if a lot of you out there did not know. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's Preston, right. yeah. So he's Preston North End. A bit of Man United and a few other teams out there as well. He's got so, uh, or something, yeah. That, yeah, that's right, yeah. So um, but so David Beckham's son, Romeo, is, uh, has been signed up to the B team. We've got um, Kyrie Lisby as well, who uh, has been signed to the B team. And also, this is, this is actually a, a, a while back, actually. Um, but it's also, uh, we've got Max Dickoff as well. Who's, uh, who's signed for the B team. So we've got these three players signed for the B team. Now, I, I'll ask the question, Lane. We don't know because you haven't really seen them play. And I know that um, 
Mr. Romeo Beckham, you know, he started off just training with the B team. You know, um, the MLS season had finished. You know, the Beckhams had come over from America to come over here. They thought, let's go down to Brentford. Let's have a little bit of a training with some down there. Just train with them. But no, no signing up. Just let's train with them. And he's training with them for a couple of months. Next minute, bang, he's been signed up for the B team. Now you've got the Dickoff Lisbon Beckham scenario going on. Do you think that there's a kind of marketing ploy behind here? <laughs> or do you think that our B team and the club are seriously signed these players because they are good players? Because um, you know, there's rumors, you know, coming back from the from you know from the MLS. I've got a few MLS characters that I know that know the MLS quite well. And obviously the Beckham is linked to, to Miami down there. And they were like going, mm, Romeo Beckham. Mm, I mean, he's he's not. It wasn't wasn't all that, you know. I mean, it, I think his his brother, was it Cruz? Uh, it was actually the the better footballer out of out of out of the three of them. Apparently, I think there's three of them. And uh, so yeah, so they so they were quite surprised that Brentford had got involved. But maybe they saw something that other people hadn't. Yeah, probably. I mean, I I I'm not going to buy into that. How much is David Beckham paying Brentford for his son to be with us? Uh, you know, I, a couple of couple of people, a couple of my chums like of other clubs have kind of gone, oh, what's all, what's all this about? Um, you know, I, I I think he's obviously got um, raw ingredients there. He's got in his DNA. There's a lot of a lot of sons from ex pros that that you know make it to the top flight. Whether that be contacts, which obviously is, plays a massive part in that. Um, and but obviously just having having like being brought up by a pro footballer, you know they they know what you should be doing and and and, and how to make it in the game. So I, I I'm not gonna put, I'm not I'm not gonna buy into the conspiracy theory that he's only there because of the name that we could possibly sell on the back of some shirts if we if he ever plays for the you know the the first team. Um, it's exciting. There's a lot. It's a it's a great talking point. You know, seeing the um the the, the press clips of of David Beckham kind of uh, breaking into. Dartford or wherever it was the other night where the B team were playing, <clears throat> um, and and kind of trying to trying to look uh, incognito and um, not being mobbed. He's always going to be in the shadow of his dad, unfortunately. Um, you know, he's, when he signed, his dad was there. I mean, all the all the things that a, a, your dad, yeah, a dad would do. And I, I've not really talked about this before, but um, you know, my my son was particularly good when he was a, was a uh, you know seven eight um, when he was signed for Chelsea. Chelsea's academy, and he was in the same team as uh, Drogba's son, Lineker's son, Dennis Wise's son, and obviously they saw you know me after my performance at Griffin Park that time and thought this this kid's probably got it you know, but no, it, it, you that I, I mentioned that because you you realise that how full academies are of sons of other other players you know previous players and you know pro players because they all want to see. Is he as good as his dad? Um, David Beckham's obviously seen him out in Miami, which then you could throw at him. He's, he's only there because it's his dad's team. But now he's actually, uh, you know, proving that he, he's good enough for for our, our B team. So I mean, I'm excited to see how the story develops. It's it's interesting. It's buying us column inches. It's you know, it, we'll we'll probably be an okay magazine as much as we'll be in four four two. Um, and you know, it, 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 again, it's always going to be is his dad there, and there'll be photographs or what have you. But um, I don't see we can lose out of this. It's not as if we've signed him for the for the A team and heat pressure on him. You know, it's, it's a B team signing, and if he can prove his worth, then there's a pathway there. Um, so yeah, good luck to him. Yeah, and just coming back to my note is my mate Woody, who's actually based over in LA as well. And uh, yeah, Woody used to work 
at the company that I, that, I, that I set up as well. You know, you know, Woody, he used to do all our video, video yeah, stuff yeah. like good, good guy, Woody. Anyway, so anyway, and he said to me, um, I had a kick around with all three Beckham lads, as you do. And it was Cruz. That was the rather that was rather impressive. He said Romeo wasn't bad, but the youngest one was doing the stepovers and was flying down the wing. And that's Cruz. He goes, Brooklyn, however, was probably about as good as me is what he said so uh so i think that gives you a, a pecking order on the beckhams like you know it's the cruise then it's the romeo and then it's the brooklyn in that order but then things may have changed over time because as you know players um yeah. when they're young you know they improve as they get older as well and they get wiser in the game so anyway we'll see how that sort of pans itself out over the next uh few weeks and the next few months um and i'll tell you what's interesting as well welling it's hilarious because people are welling they normally get a crowd i think their record crowd is 120 before that b team game and they had a crowd of 550 like you know what i'm saying they sort of quadrupled nearly five times bigger as big a crowd as they normally have down there so that goes to show you there is definitely some pulling power in the Beckham as it goes so uh yes. anyway so um yeah just quickly Laney as Ooh. well I want to talk to you about the West London mini league as well ah yes yeah that's been that's been going for uh, for a while and uh, the fact is that the problem we got the mini leagues that we have to look down quite low to see where QPR are but we need to keep them in there anyway so they're they're in there so you've got a one two three and then you've got a four you know sort of shouting down to number four Ooh. so uh we've got this but there's been sort of some movement in the west london but they're in the front they're in the they're in the premier league though yeah uh they're not in the premier league laney i don't know if you know oh they're not okay no right. when spot rangers are not in so the where premier are they league. then they're in the championship they've been in the championship but so they're top, so the so the top of the championship yeah well they're you know sort of you know depends on what you call the top so they're so they're they're, they're going for their traditional 15th place finish in the, yes. in the champion. Yes, okay. that is, oh, that okay. is correct. They're, they're doing well. Doing yeah, well. they're not doing too bad. But listen, just this is important. The West London Mini League. Uh, always been the top of the roost has been Chelsea, you know, and then it was, normally it was kind of Fulham were after them, then it was QBR and then it was Brentford, you know, and then, you know, Fulham did what they did and we, we kind of sort of juggled around a little bit. And then we eventually managed to sneak in there at second place in the, the West London Mini League, particularly after our promotion to the to the Premier League as well, with Fulham at third and QPR down at the bottom and fourth. I mean, they were kind of almost up at the top at, at one stage, but that was a long time ago. You have to you have to go down to the Natural History Museum to try and find out the dates when that happened. Um, but Laney, it, things have, have, have changed around quite dramatically this season, haven't they? Yeah, it's lovely, isn't it? It's um, it's lovely. It's really, it, yeah, it's it not, is. I don't think lovely is the word. No, it is for me. It's lovely. Yeah, I'm, I'm just talking. It's you know, I I grew up, you know, with with QPR um in 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 the top flight um with that you know with some incredible teams and you know we turned up week in week out um <clears throat> when what you know watching you know with all due respect you know Rotherham's and Cruz and um you know third and fourth the, not Cruz Beckham though no no not Cruz Beckham though third and fourth tier football while they were in the top flight entertain you know live the some of the best Liverpool teams in the in in history were were playing you know four or five miles up the road from us and it did you know it did make you question your sanity I mean obviously you you you, you broke for through and through and it was never it was never an option to to switch just because there was better football up the road, but now the roles have been completely and utterly reversed, you know, and it, it it's 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 very hard to see, um, you know, how QPR kind of do the phoenix from the flames. So they they you know they they've stabilised in the championship, but you know every time it seems to be getting better, 
you know, the manager goes or, or you know, players get signed and, you know, they, they are going to lose. They've got some really good players in that team, but, you know, I'm sure uh, they're going to get plucked because, you know, it's clear QPR aren't, aren't ready or aren't going to go up anytime soon. Fulham are the ones that um, have come up. We laughed about Fulham and their kind of uh, their the sale of the century when they like they 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 spent a hundred and whatever million um, on on when they got promoted <clears throat> a couple of years ago. Well, after after they beaten us, um, and then uh, they they came they came straight back down again, and it was it was uh, a joke. Um, but you know, seeing them play Chelsea last night on telly. You, you can't help but be impressed. I thought Chelsea were decent, to be honest with you. I, I don't think they necessarily deserve to lose that. Um, uh, nothing's going right for them. And they sat below us uh, in, the, in the league table. And, and just quickly, and on that point, I'm just just yeah. slight interjections. Well, and, you, and you're right, because again, I only saw the, the first 20 minutes and then I saw the Fulham goal and then I had to, I had to switch off after that, I had, to, I had yeah. to admit. But then I did look at the stats today. I looked at the XG and I just I thought, I thought, oh my God. I mean, Chelsea absolutely smashed them off the park. You know, yeah. they put nearly four you know, three and a half XG to Fulham's what 0.5 or something like that. But obviously Fulham must have scored with their two, you know, very low opportunity chances. And Chelsea must have just basically just could not score and that, that the score. And the, and the, and the, the question I'm going to ask just quickly, do you think that's a, a Potterism? Because that Potter was very much like that at Brighton, where they used to create loads of high quality chances, but just never used to score, you know, and the Brighton fans talk about it, everyone else did. And everyone says, ah, oh, Potter this, Potter that. And I thought, no, it's not him. It's the player's fault. But now he seems to have taken that same thing to Chelsea. Um, I don't, he's uh, buying into the narrative. Yeah, he's he's got a huge, huge long um, injury list, and I, I thought the players. I don't know, Jao Felix came in. I know he got sent off. I, th- I think it's just like everything's going against them. Um, you know, and you, we we can snigger at it, um, but you know, Potter's a, Potter's a good guy. Uh, it will get it right. There's too there's too much too much quality there. You know, they, at, at times they they were ripping Fulham apart, and Fulham rode not not rode their luck, but they did. Like Leno, he, he scored. A couple, um, he, he made some incredible saves, um, and there were some quite bad misses as well. Um, you know, on another day they get at least a point. They probably win that. Fulham, as, as you say, they kind of rode their luck to a certain extent. It was, it was, it was a, it was a similar, it was a similar kind of. Brent, it was a Brentfordish kind of performance, really. You know, you need you need a lot going your way to beat these these these, these top teams because you know they they are blessed with with quality throughout, and um, you need them not to be on on top of their form and miss the chances they create. That's what Chelsea did. Um, you know, you can you can argue that's you know that's what we did a few times this season when we've we've taken on the big guys, you know, we got we got Man although the Man City win is incredible and we played brilliantly, we had to get them on a day where they were off it. Um and you know the same against Liverpool. You know, we 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 did what we had to do. We stopped them playing. Um we can pat ourselves on the back for that because it was brilliant coaching, it was brilliant tactics and brilliantly executed. But we need we need a lot of things to to sort of to combine and align for us to get these points. And that was a it was a Fulham night last night and you know, I I, I, I hate to say it, good luck to them. It's it's you know, it's uh, it means we've got a, another big West London derby uh, next season. And um, the game back at um, the GTEC is going to be a cracker later on in the season. We owe them for that. You know, we shouldn't have lost at Craven Cottage. We did. We got ourselves to blame for that um, as much as, you know, as much as they, they to credit them for some good finishing. Um, it was, it was a, it was a, you know, a strange afternoon. So we owe them and <clears throat> we need to, uh, to make sure that we are pushing for that 
well, we could we could be the top place team in West London. You never know. Well, okay. So I mean, at the moment, Fulham <clears throat> top of the the, uh, the well, the Premier League uh, mini league as it is, and sixth place with uh, thirty one points from nineteen games. The goal difference of plus four. You know, then they're above Liverpool and Brighton, but we don't talk about them because that's not West London Mini League stuff. And then after that, number two in the West London Mini League are Brentford with 26 points from 18 games. So we got a game in hand over them. <clears throat> so if we win our game in hand, that's a big if, then we will be one point behind them. Um, you know, uh, two points behind them, sorry. Uh, you know, with, and, and then we have to play Fulham in a few months' time. And then Chelsea are third place in the West London Mini League. They've got 25 points as well from 18 games. So one point behind us. And then QPR in the Premier League. Uh, actually, no, sorry. Sorry. I've got to go into another page now to actually go into the Championship to find out where QPR. Scroll. Keep scrolling. Scroll down, Bill. I've got to keep scrolling. scrolling. Scroll, keep, scroll, yeah, scroll down. Keep going. Yeah, more. QPR. More. Next keep, page. Yeah, yeah. yeah. QPR fourth, fourth in the West London Mini League um, in, in some position in the Championship. So, uh, so, and I don't think that's going to change <laughs> at any time over this whole season. So it's going to be quite an interesting season. You know, forget about the, the Premier League as such. The West London Mini League is where it's at. Anyway, talk about where it's at. We'll tell you where it's not. It's definitely not about the Cup because Brentford played West Ham on Saturday and we were not up for the Cup. We're going to go away, have a little drink, and then we're going to come back and we're going to very briefly talk about West Ham. So Saturday, bees were not up for the Cup. And uh, it was a bit of a strange game, it has to be said. I mean, Brentford, you know, put out a B-plus side, it's probably best to be said. And we sort of kind of played some all right football and we kind of did some sort of all right things. And we technically sh- probably shouldn't have ever been behind. I mean, I know Raya pulled off a couple of, uh, not Raya, I think the goalkeeper pulled off a couple of, couple, couple of you know, half-decent saves as well. You know, you know, uh, Stre- uh, Strakosa as well. But and then all of a sudden, you know, Ben Roma comes on, boom, put the ball in the back of the net, we lost the cup and then... The fans just went home and we we forgot about it. And that basically just about sums it up, really, doesn't it, Laney? Yeah, it's probably the best way to approach that. You know, I think we always expected some changes. Um, and, you know, we have we have to give players, you know, this is the reason Sergi Canos is frustrated. You know, you're, you're the top pro um, and you want to be involved in the game. And this the, the, these are the games where, you know, you can uh, allow the fringe players to 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 to, to participate um, and the, 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 the your first choice um, they've they've really put in a shift in the last few weeks and you know it's, it's, the, it's the game to rest them now we had Aya coming back um, where's he going to get game, game time you can't put him in the B team and you can't you know it, it, you, you want him to be playing against your West Ham's etc to get up to speed so we're going to be relying on these players at stages for the for the rest of the season so you can you can really understand it and I, but unfortunately it's, it, it came hot off the back of really that Gillingham Carabao Cup defeat where you know you 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 take you shuffle the pack and the intensity changes and it's you, they're not it's not to the quite to the same levels as you know as we saw against the, you know the, the Liverpool game and the Man City game, and they're not. They're just not up. Yeah, as you keep saying, you know, up for it. They're not up for it as much because it's not. It's, it's, it isn't. It isn't the, the magnitude's not there. You know, you can argue whether it should be or not, but that's that's just the way it is sometimes. And you do see that a lot. Um, where where the, where the, like um, mid middling Premiership clubs, they don't really put all all into uh, the FA Cup because. You know, there's, there's bigger fish to fry, unfortunately. You know, and um, we're we're on a run, and it, it was a weird game because you're right. You know, there were there were positives, 
Um, we we were up against you know West Ham's full strength team. And we, we acquitted ourselves okay, you know. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. It, it, it wasn't quite the spark there, but it allowed Shade to have his debut and it allowed, you know, other players to come on. Um, and, and, and participate where you know they they wouldn't have got they really seriously wouldn't got, they wouldn't have got the same chance as they would you know against Bournemouth this weekend. So you can see why it happens. It doesn't necessarily excuse it. Um, I think we were I think we, we were good enough still to take that to a replay. But you know, do we really want to go back to that shit all over in uh, East London? I'd say not. But there you go. You know, yeah, we, we, we move on. It's funny you say that because actually within ten minutes the conversation was actually. Oh no! If it draws, that means that means we got back to West Ham. I was like, oh please, please, somebody win this game! And literally, it was like everyone was just begging that someone win this game because no one wanted to go back to West Ham in a midweek. I'm um, just going to make one little comment before we go and listen to what the fans had to say. Um, interestingly, was Strakosa. Uh, I think that's how you pronounce his name. Um, I mean, a lot of people were sort of saying that he was obviously whinging about not getting enough game time. But then after people are saying, oh, yeah, then the one one opportunity that he had to actually do something, he didn't actually do anything with it, like you know what I'm saying. So do you, do you think that um, that appearance should sort of put, 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 put to bed his, his whinging, Laney? Because the shot that he came from Ben Rahman, I mean, I don't know whether or not it, it, it bent or whatever, what, what went on there, but he didn't move and it went in the back of the net. Well, that wasn't the first time he would have been faced with a shot like that. I mean, you know, you, they they dip and they curve and he practices with the same ball every 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 day. Uh, you you at least try and get your head in it. You know, if nothing else, it hits you full in the face. It, it was right over his shoulder, and whether that's where it started or not, but you know, you the reactions of a goalkeeper, a professional goalkeeper, an international standard goalkeeper that's played hundreds of games for Lazio. Um, you, uh, you, you're, you're used to that kind of situation, and you put your arm out. Um, and if it, if you've made an attempt to save it, then you know um, the criticism will be less. But he almost kind of just watched it go whistle past his ear. Um, I know it's a bit further away than his ear, but you know he's got long arms. It's you, you put your arm up. <clears throat> so. Yeah, it was a bit of an odd one, really, because uh, he certainly didn't come out of that exercise with flying colours whatsoever. And, uh, you know, if, if, if again, if you're going to jump up and down and demand game time, uh, you, you don't really want to be making those errors um, when you get your chance. No. Right, so listen, we're going to go to, to the fans to hear what they had to say straight after that match. We played all right. I don't think we really deserved to lose. Draw, nil-nil was probably about what it deserved. Good goal, had to be saved, didn't it? But um, mate, we're, we're going to take the three points last week over a cup win today, as disappointing as it is. So, onwards and upwards. So some of the players that we thought, you know, can they? Are they good enough? Can they make it? Did really well. Um, yeah, I mean, it took an XP to come on and win the game. But so, yeah, no, I thought we were we were the better team through most of that game. We played some really good football. I'm not unhappy about not having to go to a replay. So. Uh, yeah, all good. Uh, quite happy with that. Good performance. Some good good minutes for for bench play. I think too many changes really took their toll today. Um, you can see it's a bit of a flat performance, a tired performance. Um, we got uh, the first half was a pretty non-event. The second half I thought opened up quite a lot. Um, but we just 
couldn't really get going. It was, it was a bit bit stop and start, and you could see there's players that I, I hoped would kick on, like with the introduction of Damsgaard and Godos and Potter. I was hoping that they would seize their opportunity in the cup and maybe kick on and push, try and push for that first team place. But really, you, the, I think the changes, the cohesion between the team is a bit too much. And you could see they were struggling to find that, that extra pass they needed or that bit of quality that they needed uh, because we definitely missed Brian today. On a positive note, I think it was great to see the new guy come in. Sade. Yeah, Sade. <laughs> Smooth operator. Uh, your love is king. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know how much football he's played recently. He looked a little bit rusty, but... Um, I like that he's running at players with the ball. It looks a bit like Scott Hogan-esque. You know, pick up the ball, run at, run at players. They look terrified, you know. There you go, the fans talking straight after that game. Um, let's talk about the plus sides, okay? So the plus side, what a lot of people were actually very happy because sometimes when you come to these matches, like you go to beating games, you go to friendly games you go to reserve games whatever like that sometimes you, you don't go there for the match you don't go to see Brentford winning 7-0 you go there to sometimes see new players coming on to see what they're like and I think that was a big upside for a lot of Beast fans on Saturday they wanted to see this new player Kevin Sharder who we'd signed a few days beforehand and we weren't sure whether or not he'll get the clearance or not but he got the clearance and he played he came off the bench and it has to be said I mean very still very obviously very very green very rough but he had some sparks which made us think hmm this is quite interesting. So, I mean, for me, first of all, you can see that he's very fast. The, the second thing you see that he's not afraid to get stuck in whatsoever. And the third thing, he's not the biggest person in the world, but he's not afraid to head the ball. He, he literally gets stuck in with his head and uh, and he was getting involved there, which I thought was actually really good. Um, he plays apparently naturally on the on the right-hand side, but he can actually play anywhere across the, across the front, um, the front three as well so uh, he's he could be a really interesting addition to the side isn't it lady yeah he, he does he looks as you say um very capable and he, he adds to that kind of like uh unpredictable uh aspect of our game where the players can kind of swap around and they can be interchangeable um <clears throat> and it and it confuses the life out of uh the opposition you know we can we can put it we can Put, put a through ball and he'll run onto it because he's got that he's got that blistering pace uh, and we can put a long ball into him um, and he's got the aerial ability to you know he's been described as the one of the bounce bounciest players in the Bundesliga or the springiest he's, he's got you know he's he can hang in the air um, from 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 what we hear and <clears throat> we'll see more of that uh, and and he's got tricky feet so he he, he has got a lot of ammo um, we can use, you know, because that's that's what we do. We know that, you know, it's what Liverpool found out to their to their to their cost is that we we mix it up. You know, some sometimes it's long, sometimes it's balls over the top and round round the corner, uh, and you, we expect our players to be decent in the air for flick-ons as well. Um, and I'm sure they're they're relishing someone else uh, to, to to work into their their patterns of play and um, their their their, their practice, their, you know, their training grounds drills because you know he, he's he looks sharp um he's young and he's been hungry he's got a lot to prove at this level as well um it's a big money signing if it if the loan turns into a permanent which it probably will um and it's good that we put him straight in 
Um, there's no, none of that kind of like, it might take a month or two months before we, we, we see, um, you know, he's, he's given a chance. We do see that sometimes with new signings, um, especially youngsters. And um, he was straight in there. And I, I expect to see him at least on the bench on, on Saturday against Bournemouth. Yeah. Okay. And we had a, a, a Bundesliga writer and podcaster, Adam Kahn, who's just given us a little bit of a, a lowdown on Kevin Schader because he's seen him loads and he knows a lot about him. This is what Adam had to say. Hi, everyone. My name's Adam Kahn. I'm a German football journalist. I run the German Football Weekly, which is a newsletter all about German football, which you can find on Substack. And for all my other work, you can follow me on Twitter at xxadamkahnxx. And yeah, it's a real pleasure to be, be on the podcast to talk about Brentford's new signing, Kevin Schade. He's a really exciting player coming out of the Bundesliga and also for the German youth national teams. He comes from Freiburg, came for the academy at Freiburg and has been part of the first team since the start of last season. And in general, SC Freiburg is a really exciting destination right now. They just built a new stadium. They have one of the most enigmatic managers in all of German football in the, in the name of Christian Schleich. And in general, they're having a fantastic season. They're only four points behind FC Bayern in the Bundesliga, in second place right now in the Bundesliga. And they've also made it through to the Europa League knockout stages in just wildly impressive fashion. They did not drop a single defeat in their group stage, came through in first place. So, yeah, a fantastic season for SC Freiburg and fantastic player with the lights of Kevin Schade as one of them. And it's really interesting to talk about the youth development at Freiburg because they're a side whose development has really gone under the radar. They're, along with Dortmund, to the only side with a U23 team in the third division. So not even FC Bayern or RB Leipzig, for example, have a U23 team that is playing in the third tier of German football. And the lights of now Dortmund's Nito Schlotterbeck, who played for Germany at the World Cup, um, a former World Cup winner in Matthias Ginter, who's now back to the club, but also came through the academy there and then later went on to Borussia Dortmund and Borussia Mönchengladbach. And also the, a splattering of players who are in the first team right now, including club captain Christian Günther, who is an absolute staple at left back, was also like Nico Schlotterbeck and Matthias Ginter, a part of Germany's World Cup roster. And yeah, a real talisman for this, for this national team and for, for Freiburg as well. But back to Kevin Schade, because he's really the focus here. He's such an exciting player and one that Brentford fans have been linked to for quite some time. And yeah, it came out of the blue that they eventually got him so early in the winter. But as we said, he's a player who Brentford have been linked to for, for quite some time. And we're happy to get, yeah, to get into the club now. And I think what you see right off the boat is that he's an extremely quick player. He was the seventh fastest player in the Bundesliga last season. And it shows in, in how he looks to go at players immediately. He doesn't look constantly for, for another step over, another fake. But it's a very direct route to goal. And it's something that sets him apart from a lot of other talents in the lead. And, and something that he can definitely fall back on. But it's not the only thing that makes him so exciting. Like you said, he's very quick feet. He's also very two-footed, which makes him an ample option in this primary position at left wing. But can also be an option at right wing or even up top. And he's got a good leap on him. He's, he's solid six feet tall, but again, like I said, he has a great leap, which allows him to almost hang in the air. So it feels that a player who, although he is a left winger or a winger at the moment, he's someone that could potentially be molded and developed into someone that could be a long-term replacement for even Tony if he eventually is not a Brentford player beyond the season. 
And like we've seen from, from most players who excel at Freiburg, he's also a player who has a great dedication to his defensive duties. And although he's a little bit slight physically, I think that he's a player who can bring a lot to, to Brentford's game, both in and out of possession. But as we mentioned, he's only 21, so he's still an extremely young player. And as such, despite the steep price tag, there's still some worries that, yeah, Brentford fans should be wary of. And then amongst the biggest ones is definitely his injury track record, because it's not something that, that yeah, really shines brightly for him. He has been really just riddled with injuries in the last one and a half seasons. He's missed 31 first-team games via injury. And at first we had a broken jaw and an ankle ligament last season. But the main one is what kept him out between spring and this early fall season, which was 185 days that he missed for an abdominal tear. So, yeah, it was an injury that was very difficult to diagnose and handle. And while he's back on the pitch now, it's still a slight worry that, yeah, Brentford would have definitely taken into account when making the signing. And additionally, for a player who's 21 and, and just the amount of talent that he has, he doesn't have the greatest goal-scoring track record or, or, or just goal and assist track record at the moment. He has five goals and three assists in 29 Bundesliga games. So while a lot of these were cameos off the bench and he does look dangerous every time he takes to the pitch, he isn't necessarily the refined product that will immediately settle in this Brentford team and, and begin to look like one of the best wingers in the Premier League just yet. But yeah, he's a great talent one that Brentford fans will be absolutely delighted to see, and also one that all Premier League fans will probably get a lot of joy out of. And, yeah, should be a staple of this Brentford side in not too long, and also a potential option for Germany as they look to host the, the Euros on home soil in um, 2024. So there you go, Kevin Shard, and we've been seeing a lot more from him very recently, or very, very soon, very recently. We saw him recently, we're going to see him very soon. Uh, very exciting, and uh, it's nice to see us get in the transfer market really early. There's a few other rumours flying around about Brentford as well in this window, but we'll concentrate on them maybe a little bit later when we find out if they've actually got any legs on them, because as we know, we, we try not to sort of concentrate on the gossip, we try to concentrate on the ones that have got legs on them. Anyway, talk about legs, uh, JB. He's got lovely legs, actually. Uh, but he's also got... He's, <laughs> he's, got, he's, also, he's, got, he's got funk, funky legs. He's got funky legs, actually. He's got some facts and funk, and he's got some FA Cup facts and funk for us, JB. Um, yes, yeah, so he's going to be talking to us about his FA Cups, facts and funk. Are you ready for this? I told you it was coming. Jonathan Virgil here again. Saturday was Thomas Frank's fifth FA Cup third round tie, but his first defeat at this stage. Our last defeat in the third round was the season before he took over in 2018, when Dean Smith's side lost 1-0 to Notts County in a game which saw Sergi Canos come on as a substitute, as he did on Saturday, and a debut for Emiliano Mocondes. Although we've had three victories over West Ham in the Premier League, we did also play them in a pre-season friendly last season in our first game at the GTEC with an unrestricted crowd. The scoreline that day was also a 1-0 defeat, with side Ben Rama scoring, the only goal in the second half, a long-range shot from outside the box at the east end of the ground. On the upside, we did see the first appearance of our new number 9, who has initially joined us on loan. Now, loanies are something of a rarity these days. It was only in our League One promotion season nine years ago that we had a total of 10 players on loan. Mark Warburton was, of course, in charge that season, and he quietly slipped into the West Ham dugout on Saturday, now as part of their coaching staff. Next up, Bournemouth, 
for their first visit since that playoff semi-final 18 months ago. And it could have been a return for Emiliano Marcondes, whose last appearance for us was of course at Wembley Stadium, scoring that goal. But it's not to be, as he's just gone out on loan, back to Denmark. There you go, JB, some FA Cup facts and funk, which leads nicely into the match on Saturday, because we're playing the Muff. Born Muff. We're playing, and, uh, well, we're playing them. We played them just before the lockdown, actually. Um, Born Muff literally have just come up to the Premier League from the Championship. We left them behind in the Championship after beating them in that marvellous game at New Griffin Park when we were 1 0 down in aggregate in the first leg of the playoff semi-final when they only allowed, and then they allowed 4,000 fans in the stadium and then we were all turned up there and it's like, there was like 100,000 of us in there singing away. And we went 2-0 down on aggregate in the semi-final and then we were gutted, but we thought, tell you something, we could do this. And we started singing and getting behind the team. And we ended up winning 3-2 on aggregate with force, the force field. And also, feel the force. that's right. And also Marcondes, who is uh, just, uh, he's just he's just left us, but Marcondes scoring goals as well. I mean, we just have to say that as well. You know, tip our hat to Emiliano Marcondes, who hasn't just left us, but he's left obviously to he went to Bournemouth, ironically, and then now he's actually gone back to his Norgeland, which is where we got him from. So he's actually gone back and he's done the full circle return, gone back to Denmark, actually, from where he was before. And obviously, things you know haven't quite worked out how he wanted them to work out in the UK, but he's done a job as he had to do. But <clears throat> Bournemouth are back. In the championship, in the in the Premier League, from the championship, and uh, I think it's probably fair to say that they're they're struggling a little bit, aren't they? I mean, they 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 got a lofty position in the league, but at the moment things aren't looking too great for them. No, not not particularly. Um, they did have a they they did have a kind of um, a, a decent run of results uh, fairly re- fairly recently, like draws and a couple of wins that that pulled them away from the you know got them up into mid table rather than. Uh, the relegation pack they're kind of slipping back into that and there's a lot of lot of pundits lots of observers saying that you know <clears throat> they'll they'll put up a the, the, a good show this season but they, they they will be part of the the you know the relegation um trio that, that go back down um there's a there's, you know it's, it's certainly not over they, you, as we know this season it's it's a lot tighter um, there's, there's, there's no real breakaway three of, of, you know, as we saw last year, or breakaway two. Two teams are almost certainly going to go down. It's all, it's all up, it's all up for grab still. Um, but that, you know, it, you, you can understand why people are still saying they're, they're, you know, they're, they're, they're almost certs for relegation because it's just not quite enough about them. You know, they, 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 they're good at what they do. Um, and that, that's not a, that's not really a, a dig at them, you know, because you, we we know that you you have to be you have to be good at what you do, and being good at something is better than being good at nothing. Um, so it, it does put them in with a, a shout in in some games. Um, we have to be really wary of them, you know. You could argue, well, it was a nil nil draw down at down at um, Dean Court, vitality, vitality, whatever you want to call it. Um, there, it was a game they could have won, a game that we sh- we could have won too. Nil nils. It was a it was a poor poor advert for Premier Premier League football. We we said at the time it, it was you know it looked like it was League One um, when when we walked out of the ground. Uh, so they they are picking up points, and we we have to be aware of of what they what they you know the the, the threats that they pose. But if we're anything like we we have been in the league recently. We should we should be too strong. We I don't know how 
I don't know how um, Thomas Frank's gonna gonna um, gonna guarantee it, but we have to be properly on it because we have seen when the lesser in brackets teams come and to lesser and Leicester we we don't we don't put in the same intensity as we do when the biggies come down and you know of course that is football um, and that is part of part of you know um, human human behavior you you, you, you you know you're not you're not be up for Bournemouth as much as you're going to be up for Man City it's, it's obvious but we have we have to get close to that because there's three points there um three really big points that can push us even further up the, the, the table um you know we don't worry really, we joke about we're all going on a european tour we, we could be um uh it, it's it's all possible um so i i i don't know what bigger incentive there is than to go out on saturday and to and to stamp stamp our authority um and and, and to shine you know shada i'm hoping starts um i'm not sure if tony's gonna you know, be anywhere in, in contention for this. I, I'm assuming not. Um, and, um, you know, it, it, it could be a really potent, exciting, young uh, forward line. Uh, and, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I, as I say, I'm really looking forward to the game tomorrow. Yeah, talk about European Tour. If you go and check out James Alcott, I appeared on James Alcott's uh, little uh, fan channel this week, actually. You can check it on YouTube. And he did a all Premier League fans have to give their heart and their head prediction on where they're going to finish this season. So I've done it for Brentford Besotted as well, but also all the other fans done as well. So it's really good to get an idea of where the fans see themselves finishing this season. Like I said to you, are there going to be more European tours? Let's put the question mark there. I'll put that in the older, in the information box down here as well. But anyway, listen, talking about Bournemouth, we're going to go to Kirk from Cherry's Red Army and he's going to give us the lowdown on Muff. Hi guys, thanks for having us on your really, really good podcast. Kirk here from Cherry's Red Army, the YouTube channel for AFC Bournemouth. And an interesting fact, I suppose, about myself is that I once shared a pitch twice with club legend Mark Pugh. What a guy, what skills. Now a very good chef. Brentford Bournemouth this weekend. I tell you what, I don't want this game. I mean, I'm going to the game. I'm looking forward to visiting your new stadium but the fixture itself in the finer details yeah it it scares me a little bit from a Bournemouth point of view an overall season rating I'd probably say is about a six I just nudge over half which is a bit bonkers really because we've never been in the relegation zone the players we added probably still leaves us as the weakest squad in the league and our task would have always been to finish 17th to just reinstate us back into the Premier League and get a few seasons under our belt but it has been a bit of a roller coaster when's it not being an AFC Bournemouth fan we had the Scott Parker circus when he got sacked after the 9-0 defeat we had the little club bounce that got some results on the board including an unbeaten six game run when Gary O'Neill was interim we've had a takeover from Bill Foley Las Vegas consortium billionaire, self-made billionaire, who's promised big things for us to change the infrastructure, build a new training ground, new stadium, potentially within five years, and add money in the pot for January. Yet to do anything in January, but money's apparently in the pot. So why have I chosen six as a rating? Because as much as it's great to have this new ownership, you would think that we would start to maybe think a little bit bigger in our minds and change our mentality and move away from that small club mentality to 
we could potentially go places and maybe it's the right time to do it now. But then you hire Gary O'Neill as permanent head coach, someone who's never been a manager and an interim un under, under pressurised job is not the same as a job being the main man. And not earning any stripes, not having any real life experiences for me was always a concern. And I don't think you can wing or blag top, top level elite management or the Premier League. That seems to be the case because since we've come back to football after the World Cup, even though we had a good result against Everton before the break, that 3-0 win against a poor Frank Lampard team. Since we've come back, we've not won a football match. It's five losses in all competitions, two cup losses against Newcastle and Burnley, and three losses in the Premier League without even scoring a goal. A pragmatic approach that lacks very much attack, a manager that's clearly struggling to find an identity, a team that's no longer buying into whatever Gary O'Neill's trying to achieve. And that's leaving the fan base and the club a little bit disconnected and the club a little bit silent at the moment because clearly we don't have a plan alternative. And what do you do now? Sack Gary O'Neill and have three managers in a season? Well, some fans would say yes. Some fans would say that's the hand we've played. We've now got to dig in deep and, and somehow pull something cast pull something out of the bag. Um, for me, either Gary O'Neill needs to be a genius or we need some serious lady luck. And that doesn't normally align with Bournemouth either. For Brentford, I, I think they're a very good team. I think Brentford have a very good progressive model. Somehow, you've got yourself in a position, not somehow, very well, that you've got yourself in a position where you're competing inside the top 10. In your recent form, at the last six games, you're unbeaten in six and you've disposed of Liverpool and Manchester City. You have a team that's dedicated. You have very good individuals within that team. Thomas Franks, no matter what you think about him, has an identity. The fans seem to be absolutely behind everything that you do on the pitch, off the pitch. It's a model that I'm definitely envious of. And, and you can only credit Brentford for having a good Premier League season last season. And in the second year syndrome that sometimes happens to football clubs doesn't seem to be happening to you. And that's because I think you've got a very good plan, model, manager. And you pick up enough good results and performances to comfortably keep you in this league. Players that I am worried about going into this game in your team. I think you have a good goalkeeper. You have a solid defender in Ben Mee who has a lot of Premier League experience. Norgard I think is your captain and he's at the heart of what you do. And a player that shows a lot of grit from what I've seen. A lot of battle. You've got Henry, who's a young player off the left-hand side. And Bomo's caused us problems in the past and someone who presses from the front. And if we are too slow with the ball at the back, I do worry we can get caught out. And if Ivan Tony's fit, which I was hoping he wasn't, he's got some off-field issues. But it wouldn't be surprised if he is fit for this game. I would not be surprised and I'm hearing he might make it. And that's something I really didn't want to see and something we really don't need as a football team right now is to come up against. And Ivan Tony, who puts his weight around and is very good in front of goal. One of our tasks with Ivan Tony's on that pitch is not to concede a penalty because he is absolutely ruthless from 12 yards. Players for Bournemouth this weekend who might be available, well unavailable, will probably be Neto still, our Brazilian goalkeeper. 
Travers has not quite found the form that he did in the Championship last season, but I think the fans are still very much behind him. Adam Smith is suspended. Marcus Tavernier is a massive loss for us, one of the best dribblers in the league, someone who is our most creative player, top assists. Definitely hit form before that World Cup. So to lose him for a long spell is, is very difficult for us. And then it's what we do at the back because we could match Brentford with a back three and a five and a one-one. And that's how I think Brentford set up in a three-five-two. Bournemouth fans might be slightly concerned with this because a back three is not normally a formation that we do well in. We've tried it many times under different managers and we get the odd win out of it. But generally... It's a formation we struggle with. So do we fall back into a back four, which is more comfortable for us when we're, at, when we're flowing and in form, but we're currently not. But it is a more comfortable formation for us, so it could be something like a 4-2-3-1. You could see our captain, Lloyd Kelly, pushed out to left-back because he's really struggling at centre-back, although Lloyd Kelly has expressed many times before that he does not want to be a left-back, but his form currently at centre-back after returning from injury He's not great, so I can definitely see him being pushed to left-back with Senesi and Mepham at centre-back. It'll probably be Lerma and Cook billing ahead. Potentially Ryan Christie off the right, Jaden Anthony off the left and Dom Solanke. Kiefer Moore could be a question mark as well. But we're not a team that's firing on all cylinders. We are a team that very much set up to consolidate and hit on the counter. The issue we have is we don't have a lot of pace in the counter and we're not currently ruthless enough. So, looking at Brentford's form, you generally score two goals in a game. So, I'm, I am going to predict a 1-1, which is not against your form. But I don't see us scoring two goals. So, if I'm going to be optimistic as a Bournemouth fan, I'm going to hope we can get out of there with a draw. I don't see us scoring two goals, so I'm going for a 1-1. But as I said, I've only seen a handful of results for Brentford where you've scored less than two. And even when you've lost to the likes of Aston Villa comfortably 4-0, you've bounced back and hit some form again and reacted and got results on the board. So there's my score prediction in there nice and early. It's a massive game for Bournemouth. It's a critical period, season-defining, some will say, with Forrest coming straight after this and the club still hanging on that Gary O'Neill is the right man and can turn results around and performances around and try and keep us out of the relegation zone. Because if we lose at Brentford and we don't get something against Forest, we are then in the relegation zone and it will be a really big ask to get ourselves out of it because the calendar does not look easy. When does it look easy in the Premier League? Thanks for having us on this preview on your podcast, though. Looking forward to coming to the ground, looking forward to the game, hoping Bournemouth can turn up, hoping we can show something about ourselves and the fans can be up for it. And You never know. Football can throw in surprises. It might have to be if we're going to get a point. But hopefully we'll enjoy the game and we'll have a good battle. Cheers, guys, and we'll see you soon. So there you go, Kirk from Cherry's Red Army. To be fair, he's, he's, he's always got a little twinge of optimism there. But um, it's, it's, it's a tough season for them. Um, I know they've got a bit of investment coming the, uh, from the Americans, I think it is. Um, yeah, the Americans. But uh, will that be... <laughs> will they make that in time? Will they, will they spend anything? And even if they do spend anything, will it make any difference in this period of time? I know that um, O'Neill, their manager, like I said to you, there's uh, he did all right as a caretaker, but I think, you know, it seems like the gloss 
is wearing off a little bit. And I think uh, the fans are getting a little bit peeved off. And one of my mates, Russ, Russ the Carew, who's down there in uh, Bournemouth as well, he just says, he's not even coming up. He just says, we're terrible. He goes, and they're depressing, and I don't want to watch them. And uh, I'm like, support your team, Russ. But, you know, but anyway, listen, other people have got other things going on. But, you know, we shall see, because we cannot take anything for granted. There's a couple of things about the muff, actually. I just want to sort of bring up here, Laney. First of all, their style of football. Okay, I'm just looking here for the style of football for the muff. Is um, uh, So, Bournemouth Strengths. Um, this is from Who Scored. The team have no significant strengths. Okay, and their weaknesses. Defending the attacks down the wings. Keeping possession of the ball, very weak. Protecting the league, very weak. Avoiding fouling in dangerous areas, very weak. Defending set pieces, very weak. They play long ball with width and in their own half. So that's the style of football that they play. Looking at 538, which, like I said to you, we look at every now and again, but we're looking back just to give a little bit of a vibe. It's interesting because Bournemouth were actually predicted to be out of the relegation zone for, for quite a bit, actually. I mean, their league position, I mean, I think they'd almost got nearly as high as 10th at one stage. But if you looked at some of the stats companies, um, they were actually felt that they were punching. Actually, they were actually overperforming and they felt that that would drop away after time. And it looks like that is starting to happen for Bournemouth. Looking at the table, Southampton bottom at the moment. Uh, they're currently on 12 points. They're predicted to finish bottom on 33 with 55% chance of relegation. Bournemouth currently on 16 points. Uh, they're predicted to finish second bottom with 33 points as well with 57% chance of relegation. So um, actually, it's interesting that their chance of relegation is higher than Southampton who they predict to finish bottom. And then Everton. Um, uh, they've predicted to finish third bottom on 34 points with 48% chance of relegation. Wolves fourth bottom with 45% chance of relegation, 35 points. Forest, 35 points as well. Uh, fifth bottom, 44% chance of relegation. There's a massive gap then after that to West Ham, who they currently think is going to be 16% chance of relegation on 41 points. So they think there's going to be a massive point difference between Forest and West Ham, uh, a six-point difference. So they're, trying, they're basically saying that it's those bottom five which are the five who are going to battle it out for the three places. The most interesting thing is Nottingham Forest getting themselves out because they were, they were rock bottom um, probably even about three or four weeks ago. And they got themselves out and they're now actually the bottom of that five. So that's interesting. And if you want to know about Brentford, where Brentford are, we are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. We're 10th predicted in this league with less than 1% chance of relegation. Uh, predicted to finish on 53 points just below. This was really bad by standing in the middle league, Fulham. And Chelsea. Uh, Fulham, they predict, is going to get 53 as well. And Chelsea going to get 57. And just above Aston Villa and Crystal Palace. So that's getting a vibe of where it's at. Uh, but it's not about stats. It's about what you do on the pitch, in it, Laney? Yeah, I mean, you know, we'll, we'll be a bit naive to, to kind of ignore some of the some of the you know the, 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 the skill they have got in their team you know Phil Billing is a and you know he's, he's a is a really good really good top flight player Dominic Solanke he's, he's scored lots um you know <clears throat> the teams he's been for uh you know Kiefer Moore we we know that he's a big lump up front um and you know Jamal Lowe is a is a player that's been you know buzzing around the, that team and he, he scored goals uh they, 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 they do pose a threat and you know i'm, I'm not gonna i'm not gonna just go oh it's, it's a home win just because we beat liverpool we beat man city we're gonna smash bournemouth it doesn't work like that you know we saw that with norwich last year um and we we, we can we, we do often kind of slip up a little bit against against teams that we just expect to win and uh we have to we have to break that mindset we have, if we're gonna if we are, if we are going to progress incrementally which i know is the objective 
um, every year. We have to kind of uh, we have to work out to to get the standards high, um, even when the excitement levels are have dipped a little bit. So yeah, I, I think Thomas will be hoping hoping hopingly firing them up and uh, you know getting them getting the mindset right because it, it provides a big opportunity to to to, to kick on. Uh, and, and just coming back to the match itself, just briefly, and then we'll just go in and listen, and then we'll finish this up because, listen, we've talked all we need to today. This game, the, the, if anything, you think the bonus is for West Ham now, looking back at it, we kind of played a B-plus B side, which means that we can, in effect, put as much as we can do a full side against um, Muff okay, on Saturday. And as we say, as much as a full side as we know, I mean, we don't know. I don't know what the situation is with Ivan Tony. I know he's meant to be injured. I haven't seen him in. A, again, you might be able to tell me. I know you've been away in Egypt, but um, have there been any photographs of him in training as such, or kind of being I've, thrown I've, out I've there? Not, I've, not, I've not seen any. No, no, I've not seen any. You know, so you've got to kind of presume they're either masking that one up massively, or he's uh, he's not going to play. Okay, so then you've got Wiesa, who wasn't great against uh, West Ham last week, but then maybe he saves it for the big games, as it is. Okay, but then obviously you've got Mbumo coming back. Mbumo obviously missing last week. You can see the massive difference that he makes to our side. You know, you've got Roslev, you've got Henry. You know, you could presume that they're going to play again. You've got Norgard back, who if Norgard isn't playing for the side, you see what a difference that makes as well. So all of a sudden, and then you've got Jensen, who's been absolutely tremendous this season. At the back, you know, we talked about um, Zanka. Um, being a revelation, Ben Mee being a revelation as well, you know, so, and then Ethan Pinnock. So looking back at that side, you know, if we've got that team back, that is a very strong side going in against Bournemouth and it should make us look very different to how we did against West Ham. Yeah, 100%, mate. Yeah, it, it, we, we bring a lot of uh, talent into the, back into the frame. And uh, it, as, as I say, you know, there's, there's a big opportunity there and um, I'm... I'm I'm kind of yeah looking forward to that, um, and we won't have David Reyes or kind of just like watching the ball go in the back of the net. Hopefully, hopefully not. Yeah, hopefully not. Although he's been, he's you know he's, he's due a he's due a wobbly one. His standards have been just exceptional. You know, goalkeepers do occasionally uh, have fluffs. You know, as, as you know, so do, give Strakoya some some slack. You know, goalkeepers er errors are kind of highlighted more than anyone else's. But um, yeah, you know, David David Raya, he's been on an exceptional run of form so um yeah it'd be good to have him back in the team that's right so just laney saturday the muff coming down it's on tv 5 30 kickoff new griffin park give us a score prediction i'm going 3-1 brentford oh and i'm gonna go three nil to the mighty mighty bees so listen um, Bill, before we before we before we head off into the sunset yes um uh Club club issued a statement yesterday about um, a, a, a fan or a or a supporter or a person up in the the northeast who um, has been taken to court for racially abusing Ivan Tony. What 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 are you going to make any 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 comment on that? Or? Uh, uh, well, as you know, I've I've been in a sick bed the last. 24 hours so uh, I haven't really sort of taken in much of this news you know and, th and there's people and I've seen people going around going, oh the police should be going around sort of arresting burglars and they should be doing real crimes what this is all about and it's kind of like unfortunately yes but the thing about it is that you know these things do affect people and it's not only Ivan Tony that affects it affects everybody it affects people you know people like me my daughter her friends you know when they see things like that they're thinking how could these things carry on and unfortunately the social media companies are not um, doing enough 
because the thing is that they make so much money and they keep talking about free speech and all this nonsense right which is absolute crap and nonsense really because at the end of the day it's not because if it's illegal it's illegal okay so like yeah. get, get your ground it but because they're making money out of it or but when they make money out of it it's because put resource into actually make it not happen means that they're going to lose money so in a way they're making money out of it and also the from the reactions that we got um from from these things happening they make money out of it so that's why i don't trust these companies at all and we kind of just we got you know we've got to remain vigilant and just make sure that we are are are, are ensuring that this thing doesn't prevail doesn't carry it, shows, on. it also shows you the state of the police service you know it's, it's not either or police are there to to investigate and prosecute all crimes it's not like you know oh we haven't got the resources to do this and we'll do that and you know it, it, it we need we need more policing if 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 like one if, if one area of uh, you know um crime is being ignored because they're, they're doing something else it's, it's a crime's a crime you know and you expect the police to be there to to investigate and, and protect us um no matter what that crime is and that's a di- and, and that you're moving into another area there lady okay. a different argument where you start to we'll talk, say that for another we'll say that moving, for another day you're moving into so. you're doing the politics and you're, you're moving into the state of our country um our, yes. our conversation oh actually, talking which, of which talking oh, yes. of which look oh yeah that's they come, they come it's you. you. It's you. It's you. <laughs> it's Laney. So there you go. But anyway, listen, this is Besotted Pride of West London podcast. Thanks for listening to us. Don't forget to write us a review on iTunes and also uh, buy us a beer. Besotted.com forward slash beer. Don't forget to go to besotted.com forward slash global if you want to check us out on that. But other than that, Muff are coming down on Saturday. We're going to hopefully, we're going to get some points. We're going to get up to the table. We're going to mess West London Mini Lee. Then Chelsea will be down below us. And we'll be below us. We'll be below us. QPR, where are they? Come, are they? Come on, you bees. Come on, you bees. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.